0: Welcome to episode four of Wellness World with Carly Lockman. It has been a minute, you guys. Um, I have just taken a step back from work in general with this third baby and uh, also this kind of healing journey I've been on. And it's been good. It's been necessary. So I appreciate you all sticking with me through all of the seasons of life, um, and tuning in even, uh, though this podcast has not been at all predictable. Anyway, this episode was recorded, believe it or not, right before COVID hit. Um, just for a little context. (laughs) So last glimpse of the pre-COVID world, uh, it's an interview with Jessica Ersig. She is a low-tox living expert. She's also a brain retrainer, which is cool because that is something that I've been delving into a lot lately and I will be talking about in upcoming episodes. But uh, this conversation was great. Uh, Jessica really dives into uh, specifically how the materials in our home can affect our health and what choices we can make Um, what manageable choices we can make to uh, minimize ill effects on our health from uh, building materials, um, furniture, that kind of thing. So anyway, enjoy. I know you will. And um, we'll see. I'm going to try to, uh, well, look, I'm not going to make any promises. (laughs) I don't know what's happening going forward, but enjoy this episode. Hi Jess, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad you could make it work. Uh, Let's go ahead and dive right in. I wanted to get into your personal story a little bit because I think that it's one a lot of women will find themselves relating to. Uh, Your experience with hormone imbalance started early in life and you were put on hormonal birth control at a young age. Can you paint that picture for us. Tell us about that experience.
1: Yes. So in ninth grade, I got my first cycle. I remember exactly. (laughs) I was at school. Um, Thankfully, I think it was like last period before we were leaving. And I was like, oh my goodness, I got my cycle. Like I was embarrassed because you could like see it through my jeans. Um, And of course, like I feel like that was a little bit later than all my friends having gotten their period. So um, I was just like, oh, I don't even own tampons. What am I supposed to do? And so I went home and, of course, you know, like having all of those talks. But after that first cycle, I never got it again. And it had been close to a year. I was very active growing up. I did competitive dancing. I mean, dancing – 10, 15, 20 hours a week. Um, so when I went to the doctor, they were like, I was barely a hundred pounds in ninth grade. And they were like, well, it's because you're very active. You know, it's fine. Here, go on the pill. So, I mean, being and in ninth, yeah.
0: How long was that the time period between your first cycle and the time that you actually went to the doctor to find out about it?
1: Um, th- so I, that was probably, it was almost, it was like nine months to a year. So like after nine months of like not getting a cycle, my mom's like, okay, this is not normal. Okay. Like we should go to the doctor. So we went to the doctor and of course they were just like, oh, this is fun. It's just because you're active. So here, go on the pill. So, right, right. and then I never, qu- and I never questioned it. Like I'm s- still, I was like, oh, you know, I, I was like, oh yeah, I am very active. Like I, you know, did a bunch of sports. And, you know, to me, I was, like, I was still very, like, tiny. So, I was, like, it makes, you know, probably, it makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, And so, I just never questioned it. I actually had, like, no, well, at the time, like, no side effects of, like, people, you know, saying that it, like, alters their mood or does any of that. So, it really didn't impact me except for the fact of I just hated taking, like, a pill every single day once I started getting older. So, I moved, fast forward, like, 10 plus years, I go through high school. I go through college. I get, I'm working in corporate. One of my corporate jobs brings me out to California. So I move out to California and-
0: You're on the pill continuously throughout this yes, time. Yes, throughout right. this whole entire time. I'm
1: still on the pill.
0: And was it ever, was it the same uh, pill you originally put on? Was it ever changed, tweaked? Um,
1: I believe it was changed and tweaked. I don't believe I was ever just on the same pill. That I don't remember a hundred percent, but I do believe I took multiple. I because I remember like being one in a purple pack, one was in like a yellow wheel. Just because I think my insurance changed with my parents over the years, um, so I again I never really noticed like anything. I never you know I wasn't really aware of like symptoms then, um, and it wasn't until I came off the pill when I moved to California. Cause I was like, why am I taking this? Like I was not in a serious relationship anymore. I was, I was like, this is like, this is just crazy. I don't want to be taken. I don't know what made me stop, but I just stopped. I just didn't want to take it anymore. And I think I was like, well, let me go to the doctor. So I actually out in California, we're going to doctors to see what was wrong. And I, California, you're, out there, they do a little bit more testing than over here in Florida, which I'll explain. So they were open to a little bit more of like, okay, let's figuring out why rather than just making it like as a band aid. But like the like blood work, why, why it is that
0: you were not, not getting us, yeah, getting a cycle. And what's crazy about that is, I mean, at that point, how many years later is that? That's that's like almost ten years. Ten years later. So okay, wait, but when you went off the pill. uh, did you go off it by yourself without doctor supervision and then your cycle didn't return? So that was an alarm for you or what? Walk me through that.
1: Yeah. So I came off the pill by myself because I I was like, I don't, I was like, I don't need this, you know, like why am I even taking it?
0: So at that time, did you have um, any kind of, that was before you got into sort of the holistic health world correct or, or not? Correct.
1: So at this time in California, despite it being a very like healthy state and, you know, being more holistic, I was not in the holistic realm. I was working out two hours a day and tracking my macros and just very focused on, I was stuck in diet culture. The health that I had in mind was how can I look a certain way? Um, mm. and how can I lose the next five, 10 pounds. It was never like I, it, I would go to the doctor. So I established all new primary care, OBGYN out in California. Cause I literally just moved across country. So from there, you know, I shared obviously my story to them and I didn't get a cycle. So one of the, my OBGYN was like, okay, well, we'll do some blood work. So I did do blood work with her, but of course everything came back normal. I don't even remember what the blood work was to be honest, because I wasn't very involved back then. I just, right. I didn't know to
0: ask why. Um, and how many months had it been between you deciding to go off the pill and and you going to the doctor? Like how many months were you without a cycle?
1: Oh, I lived when I, I only lived in California for two and a half years and I didn't get a cycle at all. But two and a half years, that was okay. So
0: you, you did wait yeah. quite a while to see if your body was going to regulate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so
1: then i went my grandmother passed away from ovarian cancer so that was of concern so then i got an ultrasound and then that came back normal um so again they were just like you're active that's probably why you don't have a cycle so i was like okay still not i did not cross my mind that like this was a problem I, i just did not cross my mind so then i moved yeah
0: And it was so typical. I was just going to say, I feel like our generation specifically, that was such a typical story too. So that, you know, of being put on birth control very young when there's any sign of a problem with the period. And it was very much marketed to us as, oh, this is, you know, not only a tool to prevent pregnancy, but this is a tool that can regulate your cycle. And of course, uh, you know, now as as holistic practitioners, we know it, and I think it's starting to trickle down to the general populace a little bit. But hormonal bo- birth control doesn't fix your cycle at all; it actually shuts it down. It's shutting yeah. down communication between the brain and the ovaries, so it is very much uh, a band aid and not um, getting to the root cause of whatever problems you may have. But again, this was something that happened so frequently to women our age that. I mean certainly I know when I was you know seeing gynecologists a decade ago it would have never occurred to me to ask those kind of questions either it was so I mean I saw every all of my friends around me on the pill um and certainly you know many of them because they had quote unquote period problems so we were very incultured to not question this
1: yeah exactly um And so when I came back, I moved back to Florida because I knew when I moved out to California, I wanted to try something new. I was like, if this is my time to move, I'm going to do it now. And my lease was ending in California and things went wrong with, or like just with roommate situations out there. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to move back to Florida. So I moved back. And then of course my mom, once again, is like, it's not normal that you're not getting a period. You need to, you know, go see the doctor. Of course, her mind was, you need to go on the pill. So um, I went to the doctor sure enough. They're so like, Oh, you know, you just like, you know, you're very active, like the same message. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, and so I went on the pill and I knew at this time I was like, I'm, you know, in my mid twenties, I'm like, there has to be like, there's something else. But I did, I didn't know what, so I took the pill, but this was the like straw that made me change everything. I, was emotional. I could barely talk to my parents. I would lash out at them. I was very like depressed and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm like a happy person. This is so not me. And I would just start crying like out of nowhere. And then I told my mom, I was like, I can't do this. I was like, this, I was like, this is not normal. So I just again stopped taking the pill because of actually experiencing those symptoms and started researching on my own of. Like, how to balance hormones. So, that was like the beginning of there has to be another way to like figure out why I'm not getting a cycle. And it's not because I'm like, you know, active. I was like, there has to be more. So, that's how that whole journey started, which I'm very thankful for the two and a half years in California because I have a story where it shows that like lifestyle changes really do make a difference. Because once I started making the changes that I did, I mean, after a year, and a half I got my cycle and I now get it every single month but there were like ups and downs like of course I went to, you know having insurance I got paid to go to the doctor for my insurance I was like oh why not am I gonna go and one of the OBGYNs told me you're gonna get cancer if you don't take the pill and you have PCOS I'm like you didn't even test me because I told her my story and I told her like what I was doing and she said I at this point I was actually researching she told me I was being Dr. Google I needed to stop researching I needed to not ask what I wanted for my tests like for blood work. Cause at this point I'm like, well, I want to pull blood work and look at a more thyroid. Stop
0: advocating for yourself. It's really inconvenient.
1: Oh my gosh. And that, and that appointment I left crying because I was like, oh my gosh, I feel so defeated. And yeah, it was pretty terrible. And then I get a bill from that doctor because she charged me for talking to her over our 15 minute appointment. And I was livid because I was like, I went to only go see her in the first place because my insurance covered it and I got paid to go see her. And then she's charging me $300 because I talked to her. Oh my gosh. I was, I was like, this is the like the system we have today. I get charged to talk to her. I was like, I can just, can't even believe it.
0: And then she also gave you this diagnosis, which it sounds like you were already questioning But that's still unnerving. I mean, to have someone just listen to, you know, oh, these, a few of my symptoms and then give you, slap a diagnosis on you as significant as PCOS, that's really intense. It reminds me of um, when, uh, this was probably 12 years ago now, but I, you know, before I was into holistic health at all, um, when I was working with a traditional gynecologist, I was having really bad cramps a couple of days a month. All later, you know, I learned were lifestyle related, 100% uh, diet and lifestyle related. But she listened to me talk about that for I don't know two minutes, and she goes, "Well, it's probably a little bit of endometriosis, yeah. just a just a just yeah. a tinge of this really serious disease. Like, on what planet are you diagnosing me with something like that without testing, but, without any testing?" And, you know, a a couple minutes of conversation about symptoms, I mean, that's crazy. And, of course, the answer was the pill. I mean, it's so negligent to think back about how many of us were told those kinds of things. And, I mean, I remember at that time I didn't fully understand the implications of endometriosis, but I remember mentioning it to my stepmom and she was like, what? You know, because obviously that's very serious, you know. Um, so were you, did, when you left that appointment, did you feel like slightly unnerved by her saying that? Or were you at that point totally like, I know this is completely wrong. I'm going to continue my own research here. I knew it was completely
1: wrong. So at that point I had actually hired, um, like a health coach, um, who was working with women to like balance their hormones so luckily when i left that appointment i called her because i was like oh my god like i was just you know needing the emotional support because it was i I knew going into it like she warned me like you're probably not going to hear the things that you want to hear um and so i from there i was just more motivated i think to get my cycle because at the same time my mom works at the hospital she works for doctors she's in the conventional scene and she was like you're not gonna get your period I'm being your mom you would think that she would wholeheartedly like support you, but she told me I was not going to get my period and that I needed to be on the pill. And so I think I was just very like determined, like, Oh, I'm going to show you, I'm going to get my cycle without, without being on the pill. Um, so I was working with someone. And then at that same time, I had just enrolled into the, um, nutritional therapy association to kind of learn all about like health and wellness. Cause I was Googling, I came across Dr. Jolene Brighton, um, she puts out fantastic information, but I knew with my story and my journey, I was like, Oh, I know I'm going to want to help people. So I kind of just took it into my own hands and I like, got an education through that and switched the way that like I was eating. So that's kind of how it all started. Cause I was like, Oh, food is medicine. Food I was like, we need fats for hormones. So then just like all from there, like things just started clicking.
0: And what kind of, just kind of a brief overview, what kind of changes did you make to your diet? So I was macro,
1: I was all counting macros, eating low fat and like pop tarts were for my workout because they were carbs. And I was like, Ooh, I want to get in." Like that was like my diet, very standard American diet, processed foods, like not looking at macros and no ingredients. Um, I literally took a 360, 180 and started looking at ingredients and I stopped tracking because I was like that. I knew that was a stressor on me. And at that point in time, I was like, why am I going to track this kale? I was literally breakfast tr- tracking kale and I was like, it, something had, I was like, I'm just going to eat real food and see what happens. So I just started looking at ingredients and swapping out literally just real food. And at first I always used to hate like broccoli because I would like, I mean, back then it was like broccoli, don't add butter. So I used to be the only way I could eat vegetables. I kid you not, was to put so much popcorn seasoning on there where it was like no calories. And I bought from Walmart every single flavor. I'm not even kidding. I would have multiple. I would have some at work. I would have some at my house. And that's how I would eat broccoli or how I would eat any kinds of vegetables. And so then when I realized that I needed fat, I was like, oh, I can use butter. I can use olive oil. And then things just started tasting so good and like sauteing veggies in that. So it was actually a very easy transition for me to switch from processed foods to like real foods once I started to add fats back in.
0: That's so funny. I feel like I've had a lot of conversations with colleagues over the last several years about how many things in childhood we thought we hated just because, you know, at the time the rhetoric was fat is evil. And so everything, you know, like pork chops, for example, like bone dry pork chops, how many of us in our generation thought we didn't like pork. And now pork is having this total renaissance because, you know, when you cook it up with fat and really, you know, enjoy all those flavors, it's a completely different experience. But yeah, that's so funny. I think there, there are so many things like that, that because we were forced to eat them like completely bland or with like margarine or whatever that, uh, you know, we thought were, were really, um, really gross when in fact, you know, they can be um, you know, real food can be so flavorful and, and delicious when it's you know prepared with other real ingredients.
1: Yeah, and that definitely like being a macro base too. Like that was a whole like restriction on food. Like I feared food because of you know the, thinking that it would make me fat. But in the end, when I actually was able to eat all of these foods, it was like I had more foods that I could actually eat and enjoy. My body was like craving them. Like I didn't eat pork chops. I didn't eat the fatty cuts of meat it was always like the 90% cut like ground lean ground beef and chicken breast like i'm pretty sure i like stuck to that as like my whole entire like diet unless i had cheat meals or my one day a week of like high fat meals but i was i was like no it just caused who knew that that could cause so much like diet culture has caused me literally to lose my period to not only get it once my entire life and then you know to make these just little little changes that actually make a big difference
0: Right. So shifting gears a little bit, um, what caused you to consider toxicity in your environment and personal care products as a possible puzzle piece to hormonal imbalance?
1: Yes. So when I switched to real whole food, I think, but at this point to like researching and finding accounts, like I was on Instagram and I came across Diane and Liz Wolf and like everyone in the paleosphere. Um, of like real food eating and they were sharing about how personal care products were you know hormone disruptors and how there was ingredients in them that were you know linked to cancer and I was like oh my gosh so you mean I have to now worry about what I'm putting on my body so that's what triggered kind of the whole like toxin sphere and then once like that, once I figured out about the skin, I was like, okay, what else do I need to be like aware of? So then from there I was like, oh my gosh, so the BPA is a hormone disruptor. So I have to swap out my plastics for glass. And then it just went on like a research rabbit hole um, of like being very fascinated with toxins. And so I then continued my education in them to learn a lot more and what we're exposed to. But even those that are out of our control or are in our control, but are like the higher price tag to actually swap, which I know we'll talk about later. Just these small changes with, you know, swapping out the quality, like your food and looking at the ingredients and looking at the ingredients on your personal care products makes such a big difference.
0: And what was your personal approach to lowering your toxic load? What areas of your life did you tackle first? And how did you determine which were most important?
1: So I, again, started with food. Um, And I say that because food does have toxins in them. Um, So focusing on quality. So I was aiming for grass-fed, you know, meats when I could and trying to get all organic when possible. Um, And if not, following the EWG Dirty Dozen and Clean 15, just given on wherever I was at at that point in time. Um, And that's because the toxins that are found in the fatty toxins that are found in meat especially in the fattier cuts of meat is where you'll find them um, and same with um, produce if you actually reduce your the pesticide use by switching to a mostly organic diet you can reduce that those levels by 90 percent. so it started with the food and then it started with the personal care products um, and then from there it started with the, um, swapping out all my plastic containers gla- or like those containers for glass. Cause that was like an easy, like that's a one-time switch. Once you do that, you're basically done. Um, and I did not, at this point in time, I did not focus on my food, some of the foods that came in plastics. It was just literally swapping out my storage containers from plastics to glass. And then it was probably, you know, tie for household cleaners and like cookware, And I did not change my water, although water is the most important nutrient. I had a Brita filter, but at the time when you do learn about like a lower tox life, it can be expensive to make all of these changes, especially if you're someone like me who (laughs) goes gun-ho and literally didn't wait for your personal care products to be done. You just swapped because you were like, I'm trying to balance my hormones. I want to do whatever I can. Um, I, di- and I was renting and I had very, very, very little counter space. So I had a Berkey or I didn't have Berkey. I had a Brita and I event just eventually last year got, um, a Berkey. So those are, those were like the main swaps that I made within the past, like two, three years now.
0: We just switched to a Berkey this year too. And it's shameful how long it's taken us, but I'm really loving it. Oh, it's the best. I know. And feeling very self-satisfied amidst all this COVID craziness, you know, to have this water supply that we don't have to continue filling up because that's what we were doing previously. Um, so when you changed out your personal care products, did you swap everything, like all of your skincare, shampoo, et cetera, um, and makeup all at the same time? Or did you prioritize uh, one or the other? Like, I know, for example, a lot of people are really reticent to give up their makeup. So,
1: yes, I did all at the same time. I don't recommend that for everyone. Again, depending, because that can be stressful for a lot of people. But I was very determined to balance my hormones. And at that same time, I had tried Beauty Counter products. I got them for Christmas for my mom, because that's all I wanted was safer products. So she bought them for me. And then shortly after I was like, you know what? I love these. I want to become a consultant. So for me, it was actually an easy transition because they had a package that at that time had like hair care, body, like all of it in one. So it was very easy for me to transition all of that at once. Um, Makeup, I don't wear a ton of makeup at all. Um, So it was very easy for me to makeup lasts forever too. So even if people do wear a lot of makeup, it does last forever. So for me, I was like, I just have to throw this away and switch because I do wear makeup. But when I did wear it, I would break out and not like really realize why. And then when I break out, I'd be wanting to wear more. Um, but then once I overhauled that again, since I purchased through beauty counter being a consultant, I ordered the flawless in five. Cause again, I really don't wear makeup. So it was very easy transition for me to just get that one set and throw away everything else that I had.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. Um, I I took a similar approach where once I decided that I was going to switch to safer personal care products, it was, everything was out. <laughs> um, but that's sort of my personality type as well. And I, yeah. I also don't necessarily recommend that to everyone because I do think it can be a little stressful, especially financially. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that really pushed me over the edge um, to make that call with makeup specifically, and I'm not going to, I can't remember the exact statistic, but there was a very alarming statistic that I read in my research about uh, the levels of metal toxicity um, and how in women that used conventional makeup and how drastically they changed even after seven days of stopping wearing that conventional makeup Um, and metal toxicity is something that is part of my journey. And so that just really, really struck me. And I understood how, you know, important that really is. So, but the other (laughs) really important piece there beyond metal toxicity is, you know, that, that dose of endocrine disruptors that you're getting every single day, you know, when you put your makeup on, Well,
1: and just because a chemical is, you know, correlated to metal toxicity doesn't also mean that it doesn't disrupt the hormones, that it doesn't, you know, cause cancer. So it can be, have multiple impacts to our body.
0: Absolutely. So you point out in your e-guide that many programs that are designed to achieve healthy hormones are completely diet focused and they often fail to account for the hormone disrupting agents that are so abundant now in our environment. Um, what would you say are primary endocrine disruptors women need to be aware of as they work to balance their hormones?
1: Yes. So first I kind of want to touch on hormones and the endocrine system and like kind of why this is important. So we understand because I think the why to everything is so important. Um, and the, so the endocrine system is specifically made up of a series of glands that are distributed throughout the body which then produces one or more hormones so these glands are the pituitary the pineal the thyroid you know parathyroid pancreas you know hypothalamus ovaries all of the all of those hormones so these glands and hormones they you know produce pretty much every single body function in, you know, our body. From metabolism, our energy, reproduction, our stress response, you know, our sleep, like even our moods. Uh, so when hormones are, they're the, these natural chemicals that are produced inside these cells and within these glands, they act as messengers in the body. Um, the reason why this is important is because this is the main means of communication between the systems of the body so our endocrine glands actually send out signals to our cells and the organs through the release of these very 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 tiny amounts of hormones Um, so you can basically think of like the endocrine system um, as like the communication system and it does function as locks and keys as into what kind of messages it responds to so um I mean, every hormone has its unique chemical composition. But the thing is, is for example, an estrogen receptor in the body only pairs with estrogen. But when you correlate it to toxins, you can also mimic estrogen. So that's where we come into the hormone disruptor. So I just wanted to kind of clarify um, all of that. But some of the top chemicals that are linked to hormone disruption are BPA. So, I mean, this was first developed as a synthetic um, estrogen, and it's been used in plastics for since 1950s. Um, And then their replacement chemicals, since I think BPA is becoming a buzzword um, these days, even if it says BPA-free, most of the time we don't know. Most of the time it's replaced with a chemical that we have no idea what that could be concerned of. But in this case, it's BPS and BPF, um, which also are just as of concern as BPA. And so these are usually found in your canned foods, like your water bottles and like even cash register receipts. So the receipts that we receive at the cash register, that has BPA on it. Um, And the things that like increase the leaching of toxins are heat. So water bottles, when they're exposed to heat, and it's not even you accidentally leaving your water bottle in your car, that water bottle has... Been in a warehouse, it has been in a truck, it has most likely been exposed to heat before you even purchased it.
0: That's um, point.
1: yeah, and then cans or like especially canned foods, you buy, you usually buy a lot of acidic, not thinking beans, but like acidic foods like tomatoes or oily foods like coconut milk or anything fatty and those two things actually increase the leaching of um the chemicals the BPA um into those products um same with like nut butters uh so yeah so BPA of trying to avoid BPA is one of the biggest or the, not the biggest but one of the easier things to avoid cuz you there's a lot more glass options these days
0: and remind me, okay, you said, what were the two things that companies are now commonly replacing BPA with? BPS and BPF. And are those also estrogen mimicking? Yeah, they're the same. They do the same
1: thing as BPA. Um, yes.
0: Okay. okay. And just to clarify for the audience, when we talk about um estrogen mimicking, what is happening is the body is essentially being confused by these estrogenic chemicals thinking it's the body's natural estrogen when in fact it's not. And that's where um, many women will end up with because of so many uh, estrogenic um, chemicals and agents in their environment will end up with what's called estrogen dominance, which can lead to a whole host of health problems. So that's why we're really trying to avoid those synthetic and phytoestrogens.
1: Yep. And then another chemical of concern that I would tell women, anyone to really look out for is phthalates. So, I mean, this is often to make, um, it's used to make plastics a lot softer Um, and it's also, so not only is it used for plastics, it's also used in fragrance to make that stick. So in like the personal care industry, um, you'll never see phthalates on the ingredient label. You'll see fragrance. So they will say phthalate free, but then you see fragrance. It's total marketing, greenwashing scam. It has, if it has fragrance in there, it can contain so many unknown ingredients that are linked to hormone disruption. Um, and this is what, you know, if you have ever washed your clothes and you realize when you go to wear that shirt a week later, or heck, even a month later, and it still smells that's fragrance, that's phthalates on your, you know, clothes. Um, so this is, I mean, phthalates are, you know, you would want to avoid and usually found in things like your personal care products, your can your scented candles, air fresheners, nail polish, vinyl flooring. So I know we're going to talk a little more on like household things um, and like household dust and food packaging is usually what phthalates is found in. And then the last chemical that I would just would bring up in regards to like hormone disruption is perfluorinated chemicals. So PFAS um, chemicals, and this is to make products stick and are stain resistant. So, um, and can also be found in our water supply. Um, And the issue, the reason why I bring these ones up is because they are extremely persistent. So they can live in the body for three to eight years and forever in our environment. So these are chemicals that are found in your cookware, your dental floss, again, and water. So that goes back to when you asked me, like, what are the things that I switched in the beginning? And all of these are basically the top three chemicals that I mentioned were found in my plastics to glass my personal care product with the phthalates and then the cookware you know getting rid of that nonstick stick teflon
0: um so i feel like this is such a hot topic right now i have to ask what cookware <laughs> did you settle on when you switched
1: so i ended up going with i had never had a cast iron so i got a cast iron because it was actually inexpensive <laughs> i you know and yeah. it's actually one of my i cook in it almost every day like everything in it it's one of my favorite pans to cook in. Um but I also do have some stainless steel as well.
0: Yeah, cast iron I feel like is a really uh budget friendly switch, safer switch. And I mean, the beauty of it is it cooks so much more evenly and so much yeah. better than those Teflon pans anyway. I, I find that, you know, clients that will switch over to cast iron are having like, you know, they have like a food renaissance because it really is, um, it's just so much more effective. I find it distributing heat.
1: Well, not only that, too, non-stick, people are avoiding fat. When fat we need fat to make our healthy hormones, and your food won't stick if you're using plenty of fat while you're cooking, so
0: yeah, absolutely. Really good point. Yeah. So what would you say are some practical tips for lessening endocrine disruptor exposure? So I know we talked
1: about what did I do and I did I went all in. Um if you can do that, that's great, but that's not practical. Practical, I would say, is, you know, swap with what you're running out of. Are you, especially if you're looking at personal care products, are you running out of your moisturizer that you're putting on? Great. Swap to a safer option and keep using what you have until you run out. Um, same goes for, like, your household products. Whatever you're running out of, that next time, I would say, opt for a safer option. Another practical tip is I mentioned those PFAS forever chemicals since they never fully degrade. You, you just kind of have to make the this, this switch to the the pan. Um, again, the cast iron is pretty inexpensive and it will last years. Like I know people who have had their great grandmothers like cast iron. I'm like, man, I wish I had that, but um it will, know you know, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, trying to swap out those forever chemicals that do stay in our body and are so persistent and we just can't detox them as quickly. Like some chemicals we can actually detox them um, and excrete them within a day, but it's our overexposure to all of these chemicals that puts a burden on our body that we can't actually, we don't support our body to detox. And then I would say another practical is to focus on if it's like, you're not doing the one things are running out If you're not focusing on the forever chemicals is definitely skincare because what we put on our body, it's our largest organ is just as important as like what we put in our body.
0: Absolutely. So recently you started consulting with people about how to build or remodel their homes with less toxic materials, which is really interesting to me. Um, What are some of the top offenders to consider in the home and what can they be replaced with?
1: Yes, I love this question. Um so considering if someone has changed some of the suggestions that I mentioned before, then to look at this, but if you are remodeling, now is the perfect time to consider, you know, reducing your toxic exposure in these areas. Um some of the biggest things I would recommend as if you're thinking of like a home remodel, actual structural, would be flooring and paint, which I'll go over, and then my next recommendation would be the bed. It's something that like we don't consider, but if you're going to remodel and need a new bed, um, we spend most of our time indoors, like about 90% of it indoors. So these three things can help drastically. Um, so if we focus on the bed first, uh, we spend a third of our lives in our bedroom sleeping. And we probably spend more in our bedrooms when we're not sleeping. But the thing with the bedroom is that the bed contains a chemical called PBDE, which are flame retardants. Um, and these are usually found in your memory foam and like your tempur type mattresses. So the thing with these is as the foam ages, it breaks down more rapidly. So it releases more of these chemicals. So sometimes when it comes to chemicals, it can be, oh, the longer you've had it around, it's off gas that doesn't necessarily hold true here. Um, And the issue with these is that they're endocrine disruptors, And then they can also, we mentioned like them being tied to other things, um, obesogens, and then specifically targeting thyroid hormones. So there are safer options um, out there, which is the best part of all of this is that there's, it's not all like doom and gloom with everything. Like there's companies out there doing great things and making safer alternatives. So you can look for brands like Avocado, Naturepedic, Hapsie, and Lifekind. And then, um, you know, if you don't purchase from one of them, you know, look for a bed that's made of cotton, wool, natural latex. And then there's certifications, um, called Goals, Got, and like tech and Eco Institute. So. I just wanted to cover the bed. I know that's not a whole remodel, but that is very important since it is most of our life is spending on it. Um, but if you're going to structurally redo your floors, um, I would highly recommend avoid... There's two floor types that I would I would highly recommend. And I'll give you alternatives to if you have these today or you are going to purchase them because I get it. It's carpet and vinyl. So carpet, the chemicals in carpets can include chemicals called toluene, benzene, formaldehyde, ethylbenzene, styrene, and something called 4PC. And the thing is, is like even this 4PC, it's not necessarily added to carpets. It's a byproduct of styrene. And so then this can contribute to things like multiple chemical sensitivity. And not only with carpets, you have to worry about the foam that's underneath of them. And those are those usually contain the flame retardant. So same as going back into the bed. And so this is linked to hormone disruption and thyroid disorders and birth defects. And then you have the adhesives that you're using for carpet. Um, and these have formaldehyde, which is a known carcinogen. So if you are, though, removing your carpet, you want to make sure that, you know, you're careful with all the crumbles and creating dust because these contain flame retardants. So making sure that you use a vacuum with like a HEPA filter. If you do have carpet, I'm very hesitant to recommend um, hiring a professional carpet cleaning business because those usually contain a chemical called perchloroethylene, um, which is actually an ingredient that the EPA will be reviewing under the new Tosca um, rule because it is a known human carcinogen and a hormone disruptor. But it does get um, deposited in our fat tissues and contributes to weight gain. So, if you can't remove your carpet, and I know it's soft for having kids and all of that, um, you know you can. There's safer options of looking for wool, cotton, um, and jute. But if you can't remove it, vacuum regularly. Take your shoes off so you don't track in dust, dirt, and chemicals that you're picking up from the outside because carpet literally sucks in, it holds everything and it's very hard to get out.
0: So I'm curious about, um, is laminate as bad as vinyl? Uh, uh,
1: yes, but, but a smidge, I would say a smidge better. (laughs) Um, so safer options for flooring in general would be like wood, cork, tile, Mm -hmm. and like linoleum.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So the reason why you want to avoid vinyl is because of phthalates because it's composed of PVC. So, which again is one of the most toxic chemicals in the world. And unfortunately, vinyl flooring looks good. It, you know, was cheaper than wood, but it's a plasticizer and it makes the plastic soft and flexible. So if you think about PVC, it's very rigid. So that's, you know, but then you have to add, when you add the phthalates to that PVC, that's what makes it the flexibility and then gives it that resilience that vinyl has. So the more of that flexibility, the more phthalates, the more, you know, that you have in that vinyl. Um, So again, it's a known hormone disruptor. And then vinyl also requires adhesives like formaldehyde. So then you're adding carcinogens on top of everything. Uh, There was a study done um, that showed 74% of vinyl tiles contained high levels of lead. 64% of the PVC flooring contained um, organotins. And that is derived from tin, which is an established endocrine disruptor and obesogen. So again, if you're redoing your floors, I would highly recommend, like these were the two of the most in the toxin world, toxic flooring that you can have. But if you have vinyl flooring and you can't, you know, rip it up, just mop regularly, you know, keep the exposure down of like your dust mites. Um, and you know, the older that the flooring is the in this case, it's likely to break down faster too. So.
0: Okay. So it, just so I'm clear here, if yeah. you do have laminate or vinyl, is it over time, does off gassing apply to this? Does it become less toxic over time or, or not really? Because you're saying it's, it's degrading and maybe giving off more.
1: No, it's uh, um the it's going to break. So the older, so in this case, so when I mean like it's going to break down faster, the older it is, the more chemicals that are going to be keep releasing.
0: Interesting. See, I think yeah. that's the opposite of what a lot of people assume. So I think that's a really good point. I think a lot of people assume the longer the um the flooring sits, or really whatever it is that's drenched in in chemical, uh, the longer it sits, the safer it's going to be. And that's not always the case from what you're saying.
1: Yeah. I mean, and for instance, so paint um, is something that I recommend, like if you're going to remodel, especially right now with everyone like, oh, what else am I going to do? Let me just like maybe remodel my home and spruce it up. Paint contains like VOCs, toluene, phthalates, again, heavy metals, um, preservatives, formaldehyde, but with paint, the chemicals that are in here, 20% of them of the VOCs will off gas within the first two weeks, but then the remainder of them take nearly four more years to off gas. So, yeah. So it's so hard with all these chemicals because some with the duration of them, it's, you know, they off gas and you don't necessarily have to worry about them after some point in time. And then there are some that are the forever chemicals. And then there are some that get worse as time goes on.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And so like, if you are looking to repaint your home or you're moving, considering options that are no VOC um, and things like ECOS, I know that's all like online um, for purchasing, but Sherman, Sherwin, oh my goodness, Sherwin-Williams and Benjamin Moore, they do have safer options. Just when you go in or if you're talking to any paint store, just ask for no VOCs.
0: Good to know. Um, and then recently I've seen you doing some consulting for um, like people that are designing baby nurseries and things like that. What are some, you know, household items, furniture, that kind of thing that we might not consider as potentially uh, adding to our toxic load that would be, you know, helpful to consider?
1: For baby nursery or for baby specifically?
0: anything i was just particularly intrigued by that because i know that's one area people will tend to you know um go cleaner safer before others because obviously they have the concern for their children
1: i mean you asked me this question and if you want the truth everything is almost of concern which when i started diving into like the deeper realm of toxins outside of you know when i first started this journey cuz i haven't switched over my bed there are things that i have not done yet um, and it can really get to you. You can be like, Oh my gosh, like knowing all this information. <laughs> so it's like, what can you do? You know, when you can do it. But if someone is in the whole realm of let's remodel, we're starting new, all of these like new furniture, new everything. I mean, you want to look for obviously a couch without flame retardants. You know, the story behind the couch with flame retardants is there was back in the day, someone was smoking and the whole couch, like lit on fire and so they told the cigarette company to make a flame retardant cigarette and or, fl- or like fire extinguishing cigarette and they're like they did but it tasted so bad that then they pushed it back on the furniture like oh your couch and have blown up in flames from the cigarette so it's very like the how we got to where we're at today. Um, not this cancer causing cigarette thing but we might as well change now the furniture to have flame retardants within causes cancer so um and it's like even if it like it's still gonna catch on fire like it, it just does make zero sense so anyways that's how we got into the whole flame retardants but the couch would be one for sure i mean bedding you want i mean you can change everything from like your dressers like making sure it's 100 percent wood what paint did they use you know on that wood so you can get very like nitty-gritty into like did they use no vocs i know like pottery barn has a lot of um, safer options Same with baby cribs, baby mattresses also applies. I mean, you think we spend one third of our lives on our bed. Babies spend nearly like 90, like, especially in their early days are like 90% of their lives on the bed. Um, Pound for pound, those chemicals are impacting them way more than they are than us.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And one thing I will mention is a uh, less toxic baby mattress is far less expensive than an adult mattress. Yes. So that is something I think is very accessible to everyone. Um, I've used less toxic mattresses since for my children, since my my oldest is now seven, since she was a baby. Um, you know, that was something we were able to make a priority because it is it is a very budget-friendly um, switch to make, and it makes a big impact, just like you said, because they are so tiny.
1: Yeah, Um and you're right. I looked at mattresses and I was comparing like just your versus your standard mattress and it's pretty much within the realm of like the same price, you know, maybe a little bit more, but nothing too extravagant. Um and then I mean, with you have flooring, you have paint, you know, you have water filtration, you know, maybe in your house. If you could do so we mentioned the Berkey earlier. Ideally, a whole house water filtration would be, you know, key. So the water that's in your shower, like sometimes someone who's like losing hair, like that is in regards to like their hormones or their thyroid or something like that acting up. But again, those chemicals that are in our water are causing those hormone disruptions and there's a story that one in my group, one lady changed her shower filter and just no longer lost her hair anymore. And it's like insane. So like a whole house water filtration system, I mean, looking at like an air filtration, you know, um system and having like all the HEPA uh I mean, you like doing mold testing would be like key, you know, to make sure that, you know, you don't have mold in your home, especially being in Florida, we have to deal with a lot of like heat and humidity, which creates all the mold. Um, I mean, there's, uh, I mean, you can even get down to like the rugs that you're using. So it's like everything that we're like using is something we could look at as far as replacing a safer option, but it can be very overwhelming. So it's, you know, starting with what you know and, you know, those small
0: things that you really can control. Right. So what role would you say that sleep and emotional health slash stress reduction play in the body's ability to detox? Yes, sleep. I
1: used to wake up at (laughs) 4am. My hormones were probably in balance and go work out for my two hours. Um, But sleep is huge. I mean, it is where our body does is detoxing but if you think about in hormone sense the hpa access so it's a set of like three systems the hypothalamus the pituitary gland and the adrenal gland and this means that it deals with the brain and the hormones so the hpa access regulates you know stress response our digestion our immune system our mood and emotions and there's two little glands that are located right above the kidneys and they manage our stress and they produce a hormone cortisol, which is known as a stress hormone. So the more stress you feel, the more cortisol that our adrenals will produce. And the adrenals also produce your adrenaline, which then plays a role in our fight or flight. So this is another word. it's like your panic button in your brain. Um, but when the HPA isn't functioning properly our body goes into a state of stress and anxiety, and then it can severely damage our overall health. And one of the things that it impacts is our sleep. Um, And again, that's crucial in supporting, you know, bringing us into a parasympathetic state and getting our body to detox. Um, And, you know, ways that you can practice, you know, managing and addressing cortisol and your, your sleep hormones is, you know, making sure that, you tried to get seven hours at least minimum. I know my sweet spot of sleep now is nine hours. I went from never sleeping to then getting seven to then getting 10 plus hours to then finding like nine to eight hours is like my, where I feel good. Um, And then, you know, to get yourself wearing like amber glasses in the evening um, when it gets dark, you know, and getting your circadian rhythm with the sun and when it gets with the moon. So when it gets dark, you know, trying to eliminate your exposure to blue light. And then as it becomes light out, you know, getting yourself out into that natural light when you wake up. Um, and then another way and how sleep and getting maximizing sleep to then balance your hormones is balancing blood sugar. And that's pretty much, I feel like the secret behind really how to balance your hormones.
0: And I know you've personally been focusing on emotional health as a missing piece to the puzzle in terms of supporting the body's ability to detox and achieve hormonal health. Are there specific practices that you would recommend to people?
1: Yes. Um, So I didn't know that emotional health was... (laughs) So I obviously had balanced my hormones with making these lower tox changes in my life. And... I embarked on a personal self-growth and development, um, internship and part of it was, um, talk therapy and that literally, did, I had no idea, I had no idea that I needed it. I thought everyone else in the world needed it, but I did not need it. Um, I was like, I'm, I'm fine. Like I'm perfect. I don't got anything wrong with me. Like I have, you know, good like job, whatever. I live near the beach. I have all these things. Um, but no, I need that is the one thing that I would recommend to anyone is literally looking into work to do this deep inner work of looking for, there's something, are there things that they are doing or not doing because of society telling us we should be doing X, you know, or Y. So I definitely think to approach emotional health, if you're in the camp of me of not knowing that you need to help or needing to talk about, it doesn't have to be with a therapist, although I feel like they can get you going and really supporting you and talking through those like childhood traumas, which usually bring up a lot of, you know, this emotional health. I think um, that is someone who needs it <laughs> the, the most is those people who don't, who think that they don't need anyone to talk to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good place to wrap. You put out a lot of great free educational content around low-tox living and clean living all the time. So tell people where they can find you.
1: Yes. So I am on all like platforms, I guess not all since there's so many that keep popping up, but on Instagram at Modernly Balanced, but It's M-O-D-E-R-N-A-L-L-Y underscore balanced. The D, Facebook, same thing. And then I also have a website with um, tips and tricks to, you know, living lower talks and that is just modernlybalanced.com.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Jess, for taking the time to speak with me today. This was really enlightening.
1: Yes. And one thing that I want to leave with is, it's about progress, not perfection. And I know I left you with a lot, so don't feel overwhelmed. I mean, I'm sure I've overwhelmed someone, but I do want everyone to know I have not even made all the swaps that I have shared with you. And you know, these little things do make a big difference in the end.
0: Absolutely.